Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-hosts, Mickey Turner, Susie Rantz, Tim Foss, Beth Mantle, and Dave Clark. This has been an extremely weird podcast. How are they going to be able to handle that? Just the bottom line is they don't have an answer to that. There was never really a time when I was super concerned. Seattle did fine. There's a reason they got signed to first team contract. Very special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of Seattle Sounder. You know who he is. Brian... How are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Hey, it worked. Uh, Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I'm Jeremiah O'Shan. Joining me today is... Susie Rance. Dave Clark, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about Sounders New York City FC. I think uh, is the big one today. Sounders are obviously coming off a three-one win, and to me, the big takeaway isn't just the scoreline. It's not just that uh, the Sounders look like they are sort of hitting their stride. It's that in a more broader level, it feels like in big games this team is capable of putting on performances that are not just effective, but like fun. Like that was, I I would, I would uh, challenge anyone who showed up at Lumen on Wednesday to say that that was not an entertaining match. Like I, I judged this on, like I, I gave my tickets to my neighbor. He was texting me throughout the game about what, how much fun it was, how great it was. And you know, it's the same guy that he, he happened to go to the RSL game. He was not, uh, telling me those things after that one. No, uh, that that might have also did, had something to do with the opponent because New York yeah. City played like they like like they play. Yeah, they pressed. They tried to possess. It was it was two teams knocking it about. So it was really entertaining from that aspect. I think there something like twelve hundred total passes between the two teams, which uh, for MLS sides is a is a pretty big number. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, watching both teams do that, like it wasn't just a fully functional Sounders running rampant. Although the scoreline looks that way. Like the city was a, was an enjoyable side there. Um, we forget about it out here on the West coast, but uh, they and, and Red Bull have a pretty strong playoff streak going. They do. It was. And I think the, the scoreline was maybe even uh, more flattering to the sounders than like even like the xg for instance was pretty flattering to the sounders it was something like 286 to 0.99 something along those lines which suggests a 3-1 scoreline was very fair but like i'll note one of the things that didn't get registered as a shot was maybe new york's second best chance was a ball that went over the top that javi looked like he misjudged or he missed like he thought someone else was going to st- like, I don't know exactly what happened, but he let Toddy Castellanos get behind him. And luckily he mistouched it and it went out of bounds. Didn't register a shot. Uh, but that was a huge chance. That was a huge, like if they score that one, that I think a three, two scoreline looks a lot different than three, one. And, you know, I, I think my point of all this is New York city looks, look good. Like I, I think the sounder, like the Hudson river blue, our sister site, uh, that covers New York City, 
pointed out that it was like two teams that were both very good. The Sounders just played better. And I think that was a very fair assessment. Nothing would be like no result next week would be totally shocking to me either way. Uh, like I know there's this sense of like, okay, Sounders are on the precipice of, of, of not just getting to the finals, but maybe even winning this whole thing. But I, I think after the game, they said the right stuff about like, look, we got to take care of business. This is not remotely over. I think that, um, I think that's absolutely true. I think what the Sounders did well, though, was um, like they fell asleep on a couple of big plays and one resulted in the goal for NYCFC, but they weren't like, it didn't feel like they were constantly under pressure in front of goal. Agreed, yeah. So I that felt like a change from some other games. And I was actually looking at the stats afterward and they only, the Sounders is just one example of one stat, had nine clearances the whole game, which is, pretty freaking low compared mm-hmm. to 20 something for NYCFC. And I think that's just a good example of, they weren't like frantic in the box at a lot of points in, in the game that felt a lot better. It, it definitely felt, it felt at the very least a lot different than the game against Minnesota where they were really good in the first half. They were maybe even really good through the first 75 minutes or so, but those last 15 were like hair on fire, just hold on for dear life. It felt like at times, whereas there was no point in this game where New York city was able to put anything like sustained pressure on. They created some chances, like I said, but the Sounders also created some chances that they didn't finish. The one that most comes to mind is that absolutely gorgeous ball that Raul Rui Diaz put to Christian Roldan that was begging for a diving header. And instead he sort of tried to like chip, like kind of like a volley chip thing uh, that did not come off. Uh, like he probably could have gone a few ways with, with that shot attempt other than what he did and probably had a little bit more success, but there were chances like that. There was a few chances like that. Uh, the Sounders also had a goal disallowed for offside correctly. I'll note. Uh, but I I'll bring this up. What did you guys make of the penalty, which ends up being a pretty big call? Like, I think it, it felt to me, it didn't feel quite as, as big of a deal because it, like the Sounders deserved three goals. So how they got it, I was less worried about, but if you just look at the penalty, you know, VAR did them a favor a little bit. Did where did you come down on whether or not it should have been a penalty though? Barely on the side of it's a penalty. Like, yeah, I could see it, but I could also like, it's not called often enough. It's funny. I thought the first, at first I thought the VAR was for um, the three dudes who had cleared out Zhao Paulo practically ending his life at midfield um yeah that could have been a red too because he went down holding his head um and then promptly ignored the fact that his head was in pain when people came to look at him because who wants to go into concussion protocol but his head got smashed two ways and so i'm like oh they're going to the board for that red card so we got a we had an opportunity on goal and they're going to play down a man this is going to be great so I'm like, oh, it's VAR. It'll take a while. I, I rush off to the restroom. I'm like, they're like, it's a penalty for the shot on goal. And I'm like, that was just kind of a normal play. I'm, I'm rather confused. Um, and then you look at the replay and I'm like, eh, it, mm, fine. I thought that it wasn't. Yeah, I thought that um, the contact came a little bit after Rui Diaz had already touched the ball you know so but he sold it incredibly well and I thought to your to your point about our sister site they I thought they had a good point which is like var you know video review you're watching it slow you're watching it not in real time 
Um, and it looks worse uh, when you're watching it that way. And it looks a lot more convincing. Um, I, yeah, I like, I, I would, it would be like such a bummer if it was against my team and I would be like, Oh, but I can kind of get it, you know? So it's one of those muddy ones that, um, like you said, the, the Sounders definitely deserve three goals, but it felt a little soft on the referee side. They, they were actually rather quick too. It wasn't like they were standing there studying for three and a half minutes or something like that. It's like he got the signal, he went over and probably looked at it twice and was like, yeah, you know what? The booth told me the right thing. I missed it. I'll I'll air. I'll go on the slightly other side. I at live, I wasn't sure. Uh, Obviously like I'm looking at it in real time and from the press box, not watching on TV from my angle, it, it seemed like who knows. Right. But as soon as I saw the replay, I thought it was a penalty. Like I, like to me, it, he comes through the man. You're right. I think Rui Diaz's first touch was loose. A lot of times refs just won't give it based on that alone, but at, like Martins does not make contact with the ball. Best I can tell. Uh, he comes through Rui Diaz, uh, hits him in an awkward spot. It looked like as well. Uh, and it's just like, it's like sloppy defending. And so I don't know, maybe it's not a stone cold penalty, but I don't have a lot of sympathy for it either. Yeah. That's super fair. Uh, but it ends up being a huge, you know, and, and of course, uh, Ladero converts that, According to the transfer market, he's 17 for 18 on penalties with the Sounders, which is a a pretty good mark. A whole team, like, many options right now. Yeah. Nico's history, uh, Rusnak's history is also very, very strong. Freddie Montero's penalty history is strong. Um, Frankly, if the CCL comes down to, to penalties, you got four guys that are basically automatic. Well, don't don't you go tempting yeah, fate, Dave. What, are, what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, we, we also Raul thought that. Raul likes his We also thought that back in, uh, well, when we got eliminated on penalties in that, uh, what was that? Oh, it was the before times. Yeah, the right. But the, well. the last Champions League uh, endeavor. I, I personally am over penalties. I, I'm, I'm okay if the centers don't go to penalties for a while. Like uh, our heart has been broken too many, even though the, maybe greatest moment in Sounders history, biggest relief in Sounders history. Uh, that first, that first penalty shootout and not, wasn't the first one, but the, the, uh, the 2016, yeah. the 2016 one. Uh, epic. That should was stopped there. Yeah. We should just like, okay, we've had our fill. We've already paid the price for losing the open cup on penalties. We don't need to relitigate. It's like, come on. Like, uh, but for those wondering, the only way that this would go to penalties is if the if the centers lose three uh, one, every other result is going to uh, result in one team or the other going through. Uh, but the result that we most want to avoid is two zero, and that's not like I, I feel like that that the likelihood of that has maybe been undersold. Like nothing about New York City suggests to me that they're incapable of pulling out a two zero win which really underscores the importance of getting that first goal. I'm going to go the other way because I think that a Sounders team with nine or more of their, their ideal 11 playing like we saw, or as we expect, we expect 10 of 11 next week because new who will be back. And um, that that's a team that doesn't get shut out. Uh, yes. 
the Sounders have been shut out three times in all competitions this year, but they also started like six of their best players in two of those. They, they don't get shut out when you have Raul, Nico, Jordan, Christian, Albert, Sao Paulo, Alex Roldan, uh, one, one or two of the center backs and new, they're just not getting shut out. I, I like be, the confidence. I think he's Minnesota. You, you saw it um, with uh, Club Leon. You saw it with oh, uh, absolutely. City. I, uh, when yeah. they play, when they're fully functional, they are the dominant team that everybody expected them to be pre- in preseason. Yeah, yes, I feel New like York the, City's good, but I feel like the fifteen minutes, the first fifteen minutes, are going to be like pretty key, like how the Sounders show up, you know, um, at the start of the game. Um, not that they can't finish games well, but I just feel like it'll be interesting just to see if they're going to start with a bunch of pressure, if they're going to, um, if NYC is going to come out with a bunch and how do the Sounders handle that? It'll be intriguing too, because city is built on so much of their success is built because they play in that smaller park, uh, Yankee stadium and they won't be uh, Red Bull arena is bigger. Might even be bigger yeah. than it's bigger than Lumen. Lumen. It, yeah, uh, I think it and uh, Galaxy are the two biggest fields. Although um, LA often uh, narrows the width um, by choice, they have they could go to like eighty five yards wide there if they wanted to. Um, but yeah, they're, they're going to playing at Red Bull is going to be a different experience for them. They can't lead on so much of New York City's success has been by building around. Um, that field and they won't be able to take advantage of it that did seem to be a maybe not significant but like a miniature a mini break for the sounders to because it's so much more of a straightforward environment when you're going to red bull arena you're going to a soccer stadium it's it's probably not going to be packed Uh, my understanding is they're not even selling the upper deck so we're looking at something like 12 or thirteen thousand fans uh, at most and you know, and it's going to be, it, it, it's a soccer game. It's, it's, it's not going to be, it's probably not going to be heavily impacted by the weather. It's probably not going to be heavily impacted by the crowd. It's, it's almost certainly not going to be impacted by the conditions of the field. These are things that should play into the Sounders favor, I think, uh, because they have a more, they have the, I think they have the talent advantage. I think they have, they certainly have the experience advantage. And that's something that maybe hasn't been talked about enough is how well, built this team is for a cup competition you know you look at you go down that roster and everyone has played like the sounders organizationally have a lot of practice with these two-legged ties i actually went and looked this up the other day uh during the brian schmetzer era they they've now played this is the 12th two-legged series they've played uh during that same time uh yeah it's a it's a lot uh and during that same time uh, Minnesota, or New York, this is like their sixth, I think, two-legged tie. And uh, and it's just like that's a, just a lot more competition. The Sounders have won a lot more of them. Uh, and and even beyond that, you like everyone on that team on the Sounders has international experience playing either Copa Libertadores in this tournament, in you know, like the MLA, like or League's Cup even last year. Like I, I think a lot was made last year over how much of uh, sort of a dry run leagues cup was for champions league. And I do think to a certain degree, we're seeing some of that, like 
like the fact that the Sounders knew that had played Leon before that they'd have played almost this exact team, I think really helped in, in the last round. Yeah, you mentioned two leg ties being so common, but and then you lean into Leagues Cup and MLS Cup playoffs, which don't have to for the maybe 2016. Did it have some two leg? Or did, were they eliminated? Up until 2018, 2019 yeah. was the first year they got rid of the two legs. Yeah, so half of the their playoff experience has been in single, uh, single match elimination. So it, right, just, they're so used to it at this point that um, you know, that it's that institutional knowledge that, that essentially is throughout the organization. They heck, you go back to even to 09 because of Freddie Montero, we can include the, the pre-Schmetzer era now. And you look at their success when they were in the Open Cup. Um, and you look at their success in the, the Champions League back in that that era, um, where, yeah, the, the first trip went horribly, but they improved over time back then. Um, and now you just see that kind of experience where they, you know, it, you make the playoffs that much, you're used to it. You know, it's part of the curse. It's part of why fast starts don't happen so often for teams like Seattle that make the playoffs all the time. But it's a, one of the benefits is when you do make the playoffs or you do make champions league, or you do have a functioning roster for the open cup, you can go on a run. I think it's really exciting. We saw it so much in the, the game this week of, that the Sounders have players who can work really well in transition and players who can work really well in possession. Um, like they have the ability to do both Rustnack playing deep and being able to help with transition. I thought Morris's um, like awareness of where the space was and his confidence in his runs was really exciting um, to watch live. And then Ladero who can pull defenders with his movement. Like there were often times where there was like three people following him, um, even if he wasn't getting the ball. So um, it was just the movement in now what Ladero's second game, barely back um, that they're already starting to click that quickly. Obviously a lot of players have played with him before, but uh, I think that sets them up well to play in Harrison. I was going to say New New York, but (laughs) Well, you know, I think that's maybe well illustrated by their first goal where the Sounders had 13 passes, 10 players, 10 of the 11 players touched the ball. The one who didn't touch the ball was Ladero, but his movement is a huge part of, of creating the space and the openings. And by the way, that goal is about as well worked of a goal as we've seen. Like it was just absolutely gorgeous. Everything about it was gorgeous, especially the last four touches, uh, which were, you know, one, two touches at most. And a gorgeous finish by Albert Rusnak. I have to imagine it was a huge burden off of him, even if he made it sound like, eh, whatever, I'm not worried about it. Uh, getting that first goal has to be huge. I, I I can't see why. Yeah, why not? Just gives you that extra confidence. And Just admit it. Like, just yeah. like <laughs> say that, yeah, it felt good. I, I, I like to score goals. I kind of expect to do it. Right. Um, you know, you don't have to say it wasn't a big deal. Just say like, yeah. yeah. Uh, Speak, I, speaking of which, uh, Jordan insisted that the feedback on his hair was 75, 25 positive. Do we, that feels like it's probably a. Uh, We've heard two we lies in a row. 
<laughs> yeah, I know. It was just like the the Sounders couldn't help themselves at the post game presser. I I said, you know what? If if it makes Jordan happy, I don't really care about anything else. But I'm a little skeptical that 75 percent of the people that uh, are viewing his haircut thought it was a great idea. There are only two people that need to approve of Jordan Morris's hair: Jordan Morris and his wife, or one even really. And, and, and his wife. <laughs> Here's um, the thing about me. Um. I am stupidly superstitious, like as a fan, even like I have altered my wardrobe this season so far to see what is working. (laughs) Um, So if that haircut works, that haircut works. Right. He's (laughs) got to rock it now every game. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it was by far his best game. Like all joking aside, this was the, this was like the unplayable version of Jordan Morris that, we haven't really seen since, uh, you know, we haven't seen since 2020. And yeah. he, I mean, he was everywhere. He was all over the place. That finish off of the Roldan cross was about as unstoppable as a shot gets. Uh, and he, he was just absolutely terrorizing the, the New York City defense. I like that he, he worked both wide and interior channels yeah. too. Like, he mixed it up. It wasn't just wide and pacey play. He he would dribble into traffic, trying to create from there, setting up drop back passes, occupying space so that other guys would have like no attention on them because he would take it into um, multiple defenders. It would it was really fun, um, Jordan Morris, and it's the type that um, well U.S. national team fans should be excited about because. Uh, even if he's only a uh, a bench player uh, for the national team, if he can play like that, um, that bodes well for him. That yeah, just just a reminder that he's capable of doing. Like he's not going to be able to do that every game, especially not at the World Cup. But that he that they like there's not that many players in this in the U.S. national team pool who are even capable of doing that for any at any point, let alone. Uh, for a whole game the way that he, he does sometimes. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I would, I would, I would, I would love to hear the arguments against Jordan being included in the world cup team after watching a, his a performance like that. Uh, I guess maybe it, like, well, it's because they don't watch the performances. Right. Exactly. I was going to say, I would say the same thing about Christian Roldan, but that's even a dirtier word to say. Yeah, I, I know. I know. Uh, you know, Susie, you brought this up, uh, in our pre-game or pre-recording and I wanted to give you a chance to talk a bit about it. Uh, the other element of this game that I think was really encouraging from a fan perspective, but also uh, it speaks to the way that this team is, is dictating play the press. I, I know Brian sort of pushed back against the idea that it's like, Oh no, we always try to press, but this press was whether or not they try it or not. This was a much more effective version. Was it not? Yeah, way it felt it felt way more effective. I mean, I think if you look at where like the average positioning of the Sounders, they were so much higher than they have been all season. Um, and and like again, not to just look at stats, but just I did look at the stats and yeah. um the Sounders were like second to last in MLS <clears throat> in pressures in the fight in the final third last in pressures in the midfield um, for MLS play for this year. Um, and, and like 23rd in 
possession one in the final third of all teams in MLS. So like if they're a team that likes to press, it hasn't been particularly effective um, yes. in MLS play so far, but they have the full complement of players now. And I think they're um, figuring out and especially, you know, when the press is working and when pressure is working, um, it, it works really well for 90 minutes. And I think um, that's what you saw against NYCFC and their team NYCFC is a team that likes to have possession and the mm-hmm. Sounders did really well to stay calm when they were in possession. So they could both rely on the press when they, they were out off the ball and keep the ball in, in good spaces when they had it. So I thought they did a really good job on both sides. Especially, we, Go ahead, Dave. I know we love Obed Vargas and Josh Atencio, but um, Nico Ladero is better at covering ground than those two, which is pretty amazing because those two, cover ground really well and Nico's like 85 years old in soccer years now but he still covers ground well and Christian covers ground well like and Zhao Paulo covers ground like those three are finished the year in the top 20 of uh, MLS for ground coverage and then you throw in Rusnak who who has turned out to be maybe he's less effective when he covers ground but he does, but he, he does cover, cover it. ground yeah um and then Jordan tracks back better every year as he's gotten used to this hybrid midfield forward role. Um, that's part of why it can succeed is because, you know, you have that quality and then you, you dip down into the tier two uh, midfielders and it's two guys that are very rangy in, in Obed and, and Josh. So I think uh, maybe what this can say is even if they don't, if they intend to press every game like that, maybe this is another reminder that um, they, there's more opportunity to succeed at the press if if Brian's telling telling us the truth. Although maybe it's him being like, we should press like that every game. That's what right. we're supposed to do. And now they can see that it worked. Because yeah. um, <laughs> maybe that it was just, you know what, they weren't doing the triggers or they weren't as effective or people had missed their moments. And so his post game, his post match might have been all about that's what we're supposed to do, and he could be telling the truth. Maybe it just wasn't them doing what they were supposed to do. Susie, I, I suspect you have a better sense of this than certainly than me. Uh, but what do you, when it comes to pressing, how much of that is a s- schematic like thing, and how much of that is just about winning your battle, like your individual battle, and because it, it does seem like a lot of times the success or failure of it comes down to like, are you able to poke that ball free? And are you able to get to that 50 50 or is that just, is that not looking at it critically enough? I think it's a little bit of both. Like I think that I'm not like a tactical superior person in any way whatsoever, but I think coaches often there's pressure on the ball and there's a press and press is more schematic where, and it depends on the team you're playing against. Um, so like sometimes the trigger is the second that they get the ball to the outside backs, that's when you're swarming or it's, we see a real vulnerability of a certain spot in the field. So I think it varies based on coach and tactics and style. Um, and like, the Portland Thorns would pressure when it started to get to the outside backs, but force them inside where they were able to pounce when they tried to pass that, force the ball inside. So 
I, I don't know, it feels like it varies. And I haven't had necessarily a clear sense of what those triggers are for the Sounders. And I kind of think that it is more, we're a gritty team that should be pressure, pressuring the ball Yeah. Um, versus like, I'm sure there are triggers. I just don't know necessarily what those always I are. I think you might be right though. I actually, but, I, I, if there's a trigger, it's probably, there's a goal kick coming up. Yeah. Yeah. I think they do. They press really high on goal kicks. It feels yeah, like, um, and I, I'd be curious, like I, I was actually, I actually said this to my seatmate in the game. I'm like, I wonder how Brian Schmetzer deals with the player. He probably doesn't have to say anything like Nico, who just wants to press all the time. Like, right. That's just his nature. Like, do you just say like, go ahead. Or do you try to have tr- triggers or you're like, it's working. He's running. We're winning the ball. Let's just let it go. <laughs> I mean, I think that sometimes it does look that way where it's just like Raul to a lesser degree, but Nico chasing guys around and seeing if he can create chaos. Uh, but like, there's a danger in that too, right? You start getting pulled out of shape and doing all kinds of other things, but it worked really good in the first round. I think, you know, to Dave's point earlier, I think this potentially sets up for the Sounders well, because New York city is at their best when they're sort of in possession and the Sounders can sometimes we've seen them exploit teams on the counter uh, this year. And, you know, maybe that's a, this is an opportunity for them to do that again. Uh, I do want to touch on one other thing uh, that has nothing to do with this round, but the draw for the U.S. Open Cup came out today. Uh, the Sounders were not involved in this round. They are one of eight teams that essentially earned a buy into the the round of 32. Uh, and it, and I I don't know. Are you finding yourself excited about the Open Cup? I this used to be our tournament. This used to be a big big deal, and we haven't had it now for two years. I I think I'm kind of into it in part because i'm really excited to see what the lineups look like well i'm the youth soccer development nerd so i've been loving the open cup for a while um and got to call the last sounders game where they lost because victor rodriguez skied uh, a penalty i think that's right the cheney stadium I mean, yes right. um, that was the last time so i'm excited to see it back mostly because when you look at uh, i'm going to do some next pro knowledge here but the Sounders lineup against Real Monarchs and the one that they're likely to put out Sunday against St. Louis City FC2 um, are what we should expect in the Open Cup, which will be guys like Atencio, Leva, maybe Obed Vargas, because now that people are healthy, he's getting like seven minutes. Um, who else would be? We'd probably see some Jimmy Madronda. Sam, Sam Adenarin. Adenarin, Sissoko, Reagan. Uh, you know, Reagan. I don't think we're well, not Reagan. this weekend, but in the Open Cup when Neymar. Oh, back. sure, yeah, okay. And so, what you're seeing is like the second tier of uh, of the Sounders or the Sounders B team, uh, which is basically those guys with one foot on both a Defiance and a Sounders roster. That should do really well in those first and second round of the Open Cup, and then you you know you toss in a Will Bruin once in a while and a Freddie Montero, um as you advance and you're like Kellen Rowe, uh, you know, Steph Cleveland, who we saw so much of will be a very good uh, backup keeper. So to me, the open cup uh, is ripe again, um, mostly because of the depth that we saw so much last year, this year. um, And then what we've seen from defiance last year and this year. 
yeah it's and, a far cry from the the hairy ship also the hairy ship and company uh squad that we saw like in 2017 2018 yeah i think that um like they've i'm like excited to see how they some of the players who haven't gotten as much time do i will admit that especially since the pandemic um I'm just very much more of a person who just like lives in the moment a lot more like game by game. So, so looking ahead to two months from now. Yeah. I'll be honest. (laughs) Like I've been like watching some of the scores from the open cup when they come, I'll probably be excited, but like, I don't know. I've just been having a lot of fun being like a lot more just in the moment for games now. I think that's great. I, I can appreciate that. It's hard to like, I I don't know with everything in the, in the, past two years it's been really hard to get upset about losses and stress out about i'm like i would agree with that let's just say you know what i'm just going to take joy in this and if there's not joy i'll just move on because i'm used to moving on from not joy yeah you know maybe that'll help me appreciate the open cup more when there's inevitable a disappointing result because um the sounders aren't going to win all five uh trophies that they're competing for in one year Right, five, go, four, four. four well, depends right now. They're not. There's no leagues yeah. cup this year, so we'll have to wait for the quintuple for next year. Right, they're not, because the way that I thought there is a leagues cup, but because they're a CCL team. Oh, not. you're right. Yeah, there's a leagues. You're right. No, there's a, there's a, well, not they haven't us. announced the leagues cup. Theoretically, there is a leagues cup, but it's like the same format as last year, and the Sounders won't compete in it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm I I'm very excited about this next round. I'm really excited about what the Sounders team's potential is. Hopefully they stay healthy because it's, it's funny to think about how a month ago I was, I had almost talked myself into thinking maybe Obed Vargas is the starter. Like, like, I don't know how, but maybe he is. And, and watching the way the team played the last couple games, it's like, okay, I get like, there's another level they can get to. And we saw, and I, I mean, I, I think we saw it for most of the game against city and I'm excited. I'm, I'm really, I, I like, there's a lot of potential here. I, I think there's every reason to be excited uh, and hopefully they can get to that final. And if you're wondering the Sounders, if they win, if they win in New York, they will host the second leg of the, uh, of the CCL championship. If they don't win, it's going to depend on what happens in that other leg. Uh, yeah, if they don't, if they draw, uh, they I guess if they a, draw or lose, they're right. If they draw or lose, they would need the other, the other semi to end in a tie. Yeah, in order to host, that's the short version. Um, but right now it looks like Pumas is up two one in that one. In case you're wondering, it's going to be played at. Uh, the, the second leg is going to be hosted by Cruz Azul at Estadio Azteca on Tuesday. Then we play on Wednesday. And hopefully we start figuring out if we can go to Mexico City or not. Because yeah, Those be two a- teams uh, are both on U.S. television Friday night, 5 o'clock and 7 p.m. Oh, Pacific on- time. Uh, so, you know, you can put your TUDN on if yeah. you want to scout your CCL opponents. Absolutely. Uh, have some fun. Good yeah, because yeah, we have a weekend off other than MLS, other than Sounders or Defiance. Still calling them Defiance. Yeah. A lot now. Using Tacoma a lot less. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, they play Sunday, and that'll be. Uh, I think that's it, oh, Campo Chavez. Let's see if he scores a. Oh, is it on the home or on? Uh, is that a road game? It's a road game. Road. It's the first road game of the of the season. Uh, St. Louis City FC two has uh, basically signed a handful of MLS quality players already. Uh, the most notable one is Josh Yarrow, who you might remember from his Philadelphia Union time. He was uh, like a number two or three draft pick, right? Yeah. So they've got a couple guys. I mean, not quite his quality. Like he might be a, a starter for their MLS side, but they've got a couple guys that they've already just been like, you're coming here. And then much later in the year, they actually have a Bundesliga keeper who is going to play the second half of the next pro season for them because he'll be their starter. And so have fun hanging out at St. Louis University there, Bundesliga keeper. Um, yeah. But yeah, they, that'll be interesting. Uh, Wade doubled uh, in, in 2021. Wade doubled the previous high for road wins under the, in the Defiance era by having two. So, um, he only won two road games last year. Yeah. But a lot still, more ties, probably. It felt like they were a lot more competitive on the road last year than they did. Yeah, they didn't have like those 5-1 and, and 4 nils uh, kind of right. thing, uh, which is really, I mean, uh, Schmetzer's defense first, but Wade Weber is even more uh, you have to defend. If you if you want to make the big club, you have to be a consistent defender. Yeah. So. Next week, too, after... CCL action. It is a busy week at Lumen Field. Rain Thursday, Sounder Saturday, rain Sunday. Holy moly. That's a lot of soccer. Yeah. At, at Lumen Field. Yeah. Uh, do you want to give any? So, in case people don't know, and I assume most of them do because we're on the same podcast feed, but uh, Coffee and Valkyries is your rain focused podcast. Uh, do you want to give a little plug for that? Anything we should be that's still, we're still in the challenge cups part of the season, which is effectively a second season for the NWSL. Yeah. It's like a tournament before the season. Don't call it the preseason. Right. <laughs> but they play like six games, right? It's like a yeah. lot of, and then they a have a semis and a final that the final is after the regular season starts. Very odd. But, um, how are the rain at, doing? Rain are at the top of the Western division because they just beat the Portland Thorns on the road in Portland. Um, so they are at the top of the division and they play San Diego Wave, a new expansion team on Thursday, and they've never faced them before, which is home to Alex Morgan. Some folks might know that name. Um, so, <laughs> uh, And they just beat, they also beat Angel City, right? They just beat Angel City three to one um the other new team yep the other new team so uh which is who they play on sunday so um, and their starting keeper has one save of the week twice in a row in a row um she's filling in big shoes so yeah this is a young and super talented rain squad yeah the rain people seem to the there's a, a i keep hearing people really like this rain roster yeah it's very different, though, from the roster that was not very different, but it has some notable differences from last year's roster, yeah. which was very kind of star top end heavy. It felt like exactly like you've still got Jess Fishlock. You still got Rose Lavelle. Um, you still got Alana Cook starting center back for the national team. But you also have Angelina, who is this really, really talented up and coming player from Brazil. So there's just like a really nice mixture of, 
young, really exciting talent and the veterans that everyone's already known. You got the future U.S. national team right back. Future and current. She's yeah. in camp well, right yeah. now, so hopefully makes well, it to the World up. Cup next year. Yeah. And yeah. the first game at uh, at Lumen was a pretty good success. There was like 7,000 folks there. Yeah, it was like, like 7,400. Yeah, it was a good crowd. Uh, they'll be, and then they got, you said two more games. And then is that the end of their home schedule for the Challenge Cup? Yes. Okay. And then so, the regular season. And then the regular more. season, which is what, 14 home games? 13? 12. 12. 12. 12. Oh. Right, 24 match? Yeah. Okay. 11, sorry. 11 home games, 22? Okay. It's 14 for the season tickets. Yeah, be, now okay. that they have an even number of teams and they're just playing every team twice in the year, um, which is nice before you play teams like three times in the regular season. It's too much. Well. I'm excited for, to get out to some rain games this year. Now that they're back in Seattle, we have season, my family has season tickets and uh, a good reminder that we've got, got to make some plans for next week. We're so lucky in the Pacific Northwest is the reminder there. We've got yeah, exactly. Good soccer, all corners. Absolutely. Yeah. Top, I mean, to rain similar to the Sounders are like that top tier expected to trophy this season. Um, and some of that's because both Portland and, and North Carolina just uh, made a lot of moves, not just the co- coaches fired in shame, but they also made personnel moves that lowered their talent level. So that kind of the three best teams from last se- season dropped. And then the spirit managed to mess everybody's predictability up by winning it all. So it, it's a, <laughs> there's a lot of open space right now in the NWSL. Um, which should be fun to have that, that league so competitive rather than the boring Timbers Courage, Timbers Courage. And it's a bigger course. league now. It's a with a, wet, a real West Coast presence, which I'm a big fan of. Seriously. Overrepresentation on, in the West Coast, basically. Because you can never have overrepresentation on the well, West Coast. Well, that population to number of teams, <laughs> kind of. They, they're still missing a, a Northern California team. Which might be on the way, right? Sounds like it. Yeah. Maybe in two years. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Well, I saw Sacramento with their their reduced size stadium. Said that they still want to be in the NWSL conversations uh, with their twelve to fifteen thousand seater. That they looks like they can afford and actually build on what was going to be their MLS ground. So, not not to get too far afield, but it yeah. seems like putting a NWSL team at the earthquake stadium would be like a no brainer to me if I was running the earthquakes, but. Yeah. I've heard rumors about San Jose being um, instead of Sacramento being like the option there. I think there's like two, there's two different groups that have formed that mm. are exploring that area. I would expect it to be a different ownership group from than the San Jose earthquakes because I have a feeling. The San Jose earthquakes probably need to be sold. in general. There's some former national team players that live there that are, I think, behind some of that oh yeah yeah pulling all that stanford audience yeah santa don't forget santa clara you brandy chastain recent and ncaa champs so yeah uh all right well that's a good we're gonna call this the the show i'm glad we got some rain talk in here we haven't done that enough on on this crossover this i know a little crossover action uh well so thank you Susie and dave uh i'm jeremiah shan 
And uh, this is the Sound of Our Heart podcast. We will catch you next time.